So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And hey, it's a great day to get your hands on the last relapse. How is that for the cheesiest segue you've ever heard in your life? Um, You guys know that I released a book called The Last Relapse. I've been working on it for about 13 months from when I started writing to when I published, which is actually a little bit on the quick side, but still a labor of love. Uh, One of my goals the last year and a half or so has been to resource people. Uh, just resource you guys with a daily podcast, a weekly newsletter. Uh, We're putting out daily social media content right now. I mean, we have just kicked things into a whole nother gear. And what I want to um, let you know is that we have actually decided to make this book freely available. Now you can get a physical or a hardback copy on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, anywhere that you read. But you can get a free digital copy at my website, thelastrelapsebook.com. And this is my blueprint for helping guys get free of porn and staying free of porn long-term. And let me just read to you uh, a little bit about what people are saying about it. So I, I was actually totally shocked at some of the people who were willing to do an endorsement for me. So uh, one, of my, one of my great friends and colleagues, Dr. Eddie Caparucci, he wrote this about the book. He said, the last relapse outlines how recovery is achieved through real internal changes and provides practical advice on how to obtain it. This is a must read for any man who's stuck in his quest to gain sexual integrity. This is coming from one of the leading experts in porn and sex addiction recovery. So I really, really appreciate that very, very kind review that he provided. Uh, Let me give you uh, a review of a reader. This is one that actually just came in very recently. Uh, So this review is from Seabass Canada, and he wrote, I really enjoyed the insights that Thea provided in the book and found it very practical. And you know, it's a very simple review, but I'm going to be honest. Those are the kinds of reviews I dreamed about getting, is people uh, appreciating the insight and then finding it practical, because we all know transformation comes from action. It doesn't come from information. It comes from acting on the information. And so uh, the fact that he found it practical to me, it's like, hey, mission accomplished. And so if you want your copy of this, all you have to do is go to thelastrelapsebook.com. You can get the same great insight and practical advice. And I can pretty much guarantee you'll be very, very glad you did. And actually, you know what? This is crazy, but the book has been out for um, six weeks now, over six weeks. And at the time of recording, this book is still ranking top 20 in multiple categories. Sorry, top 25 in multiple categories on Amazon. So the book continues to sell. People are continuing to enjoy it and really experience uh, a lot of tremendous benefit from it. And I think you'll experience the same if you get it. So thelastrelapsebook.com is where you can get your copy. Now, let's move on to today's content because we have some exciting things that we are discussing. Um, We're talking about what is love. Now, if you're anything like me, if you're a millennial, you did not read this title or you couldn't help but read this title and think of Night at the Roxbury. And um, what's that group called? Hathaway. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. 
you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, I, I kind of had got a little chuckle out of myself titling it that way. And I did think about changing it, but I was like, no, man, this is like, this is going out to all the millennials, all the people who watched Night at the Roxbury and, uh, and listened to this song. But I wanted to talk about this because it's just, I guess sometimes I realize that, you know, it's so easy to have these little phrases and statements and these sayings like, um, you know, we want to live like we're loved. And, uh, you know, what does it look like to experience unconditional love, the unconditional love of God? And, you know, we, we talk about these concepts from different angles. And sometimes I, it just occurs to me that I don't even define what these words actually mean. So when we talk about what, you know, unconditional love, what are we talking about? Because actually, you and I might have different definitions of what love is. Um, you know, I had a teacher back in the day who just, it drove him nuts to hear people talk about how something was amazing. He was like, no, 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 no. That's not amazing. Like, that's cool. This, this video that you're, that you found on YouTube, that's cool, but it's not amazing. Like, what are you talking about? You know, of course it's amazing. Everything's amazing. He's like, no, everything is not amazing. Like amazing means like it's worthy of our amazement. Like you would stand in awe. You know, he was so, he was so emphatic about like, this is what this word actually means. You can't use it that way. You know, that kind of thing. And I guess I'm just realizing that with love, a word like love could actually be used so many different ways. Like, oh man, I love Pringles. They're so delicious. I love the Toronto Raptors. It'd be so easy to like just throw out love there. But when we're talking about love in the context of porn addiction recovery, it's very different. Because if you've been watching porn, your concept of love has been tainted. It's been poisoned by toxic imagery and video content. And it's important that we actually really clearly define what is love. What does love really mean? So I don't even have a working definition. I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at putting things in kind of a concise and succinct way. I don't have, I don't have it for, for this one. I don't know how to define love. I, I can give you like a little biblical, defi- uh, sorry, not biblical, um, uh, I don't know, a Google definition, I guess, or like dictionary definition, that's the word. Um, but I don't know if it's really going to help you much, but we'll, we'll start here, okay? Here's, here's a couple things that, that Google has picked up from Oxford Languages, okay? Love is an intense feeling of deep affection. All right, sure. Uh, a great interest and pleasure is something. So this is where you get statements like, I have a great love for basketball or hockey. I personally, the best definitions of love that I've seen are biblical, and C.S. Lewis wrote a great book, or maybe it was just a letter, I forget, um, called The Four Loves. And what I'd like to do is actually just quickly gloss over them and then, um, and then talk a little bit about some of the, the nuances and some of the concepts that sort of surround this subject of love, especially in a, uh, a recovery context. Um, the first kind of love is storge love. That's the Greek word, storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. And this sort of covers an array of loves, but I think the best understanding that we have of this concept is the way a mother loves her child. It is that kind of, of deep, familiar, familial, familial kind of affection between two people. So, that is storge love. Now, this is different because it's not romantic, right? But it's also not platonic. There's, there's a very important relationship dynamic here 
that sort of is like parent-child. Okay, I know a little bit a little bit hard to sort of differentiate it from the others, but you'll see what I mean as we go on. The second kind of love is philia love. Okay, and this is used to describe friendship. So um, Philadelphia is the place of brotherly love. That's because of philia. The Greek word philia means the love between two friends who are close like brothers. So, you know, there's no nothing romantic or erotic here. It's not familial. It's, it's that brotherly kind of love when you love someone like a brother. I'm in the habit with most of my close friends of saying, love you, man, at the end of a call. Philia love. It's not store gay love. We don't have that kind of love between us. And it's not some of the other kinds of loves we're about to go into. It's specifically a, a brotherly kind of love. And the concept is totally biblical. The third is romantic. Okay, we're talking about eros love. And um, sorry, eros is the Greek word. And eros is where we get the word erotic from. So it's that kind of romanticized experience. There's an infatuation. There's a physical component to this. And that is the third kind of love, which is probably the thing we think of the most in a recovery context, but not necessarily the most applicable or relevant to recovery itself. And I'll explain why in a minute. And the last love, which I think is actually much more important to the recovery process, is agape love. And this is used to describe the unconditional love of the father that he has given us through his son. So, you know, um, storge love, that's like affection that you kind of experience of, you know, loving things and love between a mother and a child, that sort of deep nurturing kind of love. There's friendship love of uh, philia. There's romantic love, eros. Uh, All of it sort of works for us to experience agape love, which can only truly be experienced by God the Father, through God the Father, rather. In other words, um, your parents will provide a degree of agape love. It's mostly going to be storge love they can actually truly love you unconditionally. The only person who can perfectly love you with agape love is your heavenly father. So what does this mean? What is love? How does it all tie in? Well, for starters, um, it's helpful for us to understand when we're talking about love, what's the context? Are we talking about eros love, like erotic, romantic love? Are we talking about philia, love between brothers, between friends, siblings? Are we talking about agape love, that love that you experience from God, that deep, meaningful connection with God the Father? Or are we talking about um, storge love, you know, the more kind of um, affection towards things and people the way a mother loves a child? Again, that one's hard for me to explain, but I hope you're at least getting the gist of it. We want to talk about what kind of love are we dealing with. Now, the second thing that I I want to mention about love is that love is given and received in different ways. So Gary Chapman is the one who has famously coined the five love languages, a life-changing framework that has literally impacted millions of lives. And what he talks about in the book is that the way we receive love is not always the way we give love. So as an example, I, I can very naturally express love through acts of service. Just very easy for me to go above and beyond the call to serve somebody or to help somebody. But the way I actually receive love is through words of affirmation and quality time. 
So understanding how you give and receive love is very useful for you to define what love is and what it means to you, especially in your working relationships. Very, very important. And we'll put a link to uh, the five love languages test if you want to do it. We also did an episode on it. Um, So again, I encourage you to check all of that out. And the last thing that I want to kind of leave you with in this subject of what is love is to think about when we do things for love versus when we do things from love. So in my marriage, as an example, something sometimes I do things for love, not to earn her love, but to, to get that response of delight. So, you know, my wife and I were just working through a really interesting dynamic because there, there have been times where I've had really high expectations of my wife. You know, she said, um, yeah, don't worry about looking after the groceries. I'll go get them. Um, or I'll, I'll take care of them. I know you're busy. But then like we run out of a particular food before she goes and gets the groceries. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? You said you were going to do groceries and I'm all rah, 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 rah. If you don't get the groceries or if you don't do this, then I'm going to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I've been bad for that. And so my wife has really very lovingly said like, hey, sweetheart, can you just be kinder about that? Like, I think there's ways that we can handle this situation without you blowing a gasket. And she's totally right. And so I have decided to be a lot kinder. And there have been times where uh, normally I would have maybe lost my cool a bit. I would have been very stern or very like you said you were going to do it. Why didn't you do it? And instead, I've chosen to be really kind about it and say, hey, I noticed this hasn't get, got done yet. This really means a lot to me. Can you please make sure it's done? And she said, yeah, no problem, sweetheart. I'll do it. But what's happened lately is she still hasn't done it. And and so I had a conversation re- recently where I was like, hey, um, I want to continue to be kind to you about this. I, I'm not going to go back to the way things were before. Don't worry. But it's really affecting the trust in our relationship when these commitments aren't being carried through. Now, again, this doesn't happen all the time. My wife is generally like very reliable. She's an incredible woman. But you know, when you're married, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You run into these situations, right? And um, and I just told her like, hey, I, I want to do this. I, I'm doing this actually to please you. I, I, want, I want you to feel safe and I want you to feel loved. I'm doing this um, for love so that you will... Um, you will feel loved, but I'm also hoping it will increase your love towards me if you see the way I'm treating you. Does that make sense? And actually, that conversation, just FYI, went really well. She's responded really well since, and um, it was totally the right call. So points for me on that one. But the point is, we do things for love sometimes. Or are we doing things from love? Now, if I was to comb through these four loves again, really quick, storge love is probably more you doing things for love, especially if you think about like when you're a baby or trying to, uh, when you're a kid, you're trying to get your parents' love, right? Even though you have it, um, it, it kind of goes both ways. You, you, you live from this place of love knowing your kids or your parents love you if they raised you well, but there's a degree of we do, we do earn their approval. So it's for and from. If we look at friendship love, it's very similar. We, we serve our friendships because we want them to feel loved, but we also want them to love us back. We have to just be real about that. That's a reality. What friend, like who wants to be in a friendship where all you're doing is pouring yourself out and getting nothing in return? That's not a friendship. So there, there's a mutuality to this. We do it for love and from love. Romantic is the same way, as I mentioned. Like even if we're talking more sexually and physically, there there is a giving and a taking. There is a, a servant heart of I'm doing this for you. I am going to keep your priority or your preferences as my priority. But of course, it, it cannot solely be that direction. It has to come back the other way. It is for love and from love. But agape love, 
the love that we experience of the Father is one way primarily, Him to us. We do it because we love, not for His love. There's nothing we could do to earn His love. We do it strictly from a place of love. And that distinction is so small, it's so subtle, but it changes everything in how we relate to the Father and how you and I go about our relationship with Him. Now, I know that it is easier said than done. This is all great cerebrally, but it really takes an experience to start changing your life and start changing your heart. And what I want to encourage you to do, my friend, is to learn to live from that place of love in your relationship with God. On the days when you slip, on the days where you you come up short, those are the best opportunities because your brain is going gonna, is gonna to have you feeling a certain way. You're going to be feeling unworthy. You're going to feel like a failure, feel like a hypocrite. You're going to be feeling the shame. That, that is the moment to push in, to push in a little bit further, get into it, and remind yourself of the truth. We, we talked earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, about the importance of talking to yourself. Yes, it was a week, a week ago, episode 246. This is where you start talking to yourself. This is where you start reminding yourself that God loves you, that he has loved you unconditionally, that you are loved in that moment. You don't have to feel like it. That's okay. But you have to remind yourself of the truth and act from that place. Because guess what? The fact that you're unlovable and all those other thoughts you're having, those aren't true. They're just more familiar. So if you start acting on those, you're going to reinforce them as beliefs in your system. But in those difficult moments, that's where you start reminding yourself of the agape love of God towards you. The perfect, unconditional, unchanging love, which is where you are to uh, derive your value, your sense of self and how you view yourself. And when you do that, things do start to change, guys you do start to look at yourself differently. And I guarantee you, you will start to know what it's like to not just understand God's love cerebrally and psychologically, but to actually know what it's like to experience it at a deep, meaningful, emotional heart level. So that's everything for today, guys. And if you want some more guidance, some more practical tips, the last relapse book, I'm telling you, it's got the full blueprint. Everything we discuss about getting free is in that book. You can get a free copy at thelastrelapsebook.com. I wanna thank you guys so much for listening. I wish you an incredible day full of love, peace, and passion. I'll talk to you guys very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon.
The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Cynthia Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.